beat anybody else. So Psalm 23 in your Bible. So this morning, we looked at the first three verses, and if you're comfortable, you feel like it, let's stand together. Let's look at the whole chapter tonight at one of the most popular passages in the whole scripture, but perhaps something that we often overlook. It's got a lot in here and something I think will be a blessing to you tonight. We'll begin reading in verse number one. Let's read it out loud together, okay? One through six, Psalm 23, beginning in verse one. Ready, begin. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lord, I pray that you'd help me as I preach here tonight. Help me to be a blessing to your people. I pray that you'd bless Pastor Luther and his family as they're away. I pray that you would richly and mightily bless Boiling Springs Baptist Church as you've been doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. This is a really good crowd tonight here. Thank you for coming back. Even though you knew I was preaching and the pastor was gone, uh, this, is a, this is a high honor to, to be here. And thank you very much again. Here in Psalm 23, David shifts from talking just about the shepherd to speaking to the shepherd. If you'll notice, he changes in verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. And he's talking about what will happen on the paths of righteousness. Verse number 3, he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And we learned this morning that we need to follow the shepherd. Follow the shepherd. And tonight we're going to see three points, three words, what we can expect to find on the paths of righteousness. Number one, what to expect as you follow the shepherd. Number one, courage. Courage. You can have courage as you follow the shepherd. Verse number four says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Now, a valley just by itself sounds like a nice thing. There's songs about the valley, and you think about the, he's the lily of the valley, and it sounds beautiful. But here, it's important, like we learned this morning, to understand the cultural context of a shepherd and the sheep. A valley was not a great thing. Obviously, it's called the valley of the shadow of death, so we get from context that it's probably not great. But a valley was a steep ravine or a gorge. Often it would have those sheer rock walls on either side, so there'd be no escape if there were enemies or predators or something to attack them. But the shepherd often had to go through the valleys, forced to, in order to get those sheep where he needed them to go. And some people say that, that I was reading, say that the valley of the shadow of death was the actual name of a specific place. And it was a place that was extremely dangerous, but that they were often forced to traverse. This term for us tonight, it symbolizes the worst of times. The valley of the shadow of death. When death is so close that your every steps are darkened by its shadow. The most frightening things you can encounter in life. And you are going to go through those kinds of things. 
There will be moments when you don't know what to do, when you get that call from a doctor, or when, when, when really you're supposed to rely on the Lord, but then something comes along where there's really no other option. You can't do anything about anything. You just have to rely on the Lord. And by the way, that's not a bad place to be. Sometimes the Lord will get you there for your, for your good. You need to be in a place sometimes where you can't do anything other than rely on the Lord. And he does that to grow your faith. But even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you think about the most darkest, the the most dark times, the darkest times that you've experienced in life. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he says, I will fear no evil. Courage. Ephesians 6.10 says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You can have courage as you follow the shepherd. 2 Timothy 2.3, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 13. Now you might want to jot this one down. Hebrews 13. Why don't you go there? Hebrews 13, just to give you that option to mark it in your Bible, opportunity. Hebrews chapter number 13, verse 5. How can we have courage as we follow the shepherd? Why do we have courage as we follow the shepherd? Even it seems like everything is against us, the darkness is closing in around us, the valley of the shadow of death. Hebrews 13, verse uh, verse 5. Sorry, Hebrews 13, 5. It says, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Isn't that good? And the shepherd doesn't leave his sheep. Now, if we wander away from the shepherd, it's because we left. The shepherd doesn't leave us. We might be that, that one who left the 90 and 9, you know, and the shepherd has to go fine. But we read right here that Jesus says, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. So in verse number five, that means that we ought to be content. So whatever we have, the Lord is enough. That's verse number one. The Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23, I shall not want. If the Lord is my shepherd, what more do I need? I'm totally, perfectly content. But then verse number six, so that we may boldly say, because he'll never leave us nor forsake us, so we can boldly say, that's a courageous word, Boldly, unapologetically, without reservation, unashamed, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Listen, if you understand that you are just a a sheep in the Lord's flock and he is your shepherd, what do you have to worry about? (laughs) What You can't fear. If if, if God allows something to happen to you, it's because God allowed it. If something happens to you and you're following the Lord, that's all good. I'm in the will of God. So I have courage on this walk, on the paths of righteousness that the Lord leads me on. God's presence gives us courage. Following the shepherd gives us courage. Go back to Psalm 23. That's number one. I won't keep you long tonight. Courage. Yea, verse four, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The second thing you can find on the paths of righteousness is comfort comfort as you follow the Lord as you live a life for the Lord following closely to his will you have a life of comfort he protects with the rod he guides with the staff both are protection I have you turned to a couple more places go to Romans one of just the best places Romans chapter number eight and this is something that the Lord is teaching us Romans 8 verses 28 and 29 
how God really does, really does take care of you. Now, I know he, you already knew that. How many of you knew that God took care of you? God takes care of his children? Well, he really does, you know, and, and you would find if you talk to each believer in this room, somebody who's been following the Lord for any length of time, you would hear stories of how, wow, God really takes care of you. He does a much better job than, than you do of taking care of yourself. When you commit it all to the Lord, he takes care of you. Romans 8, verses 28 and 29, very, very familiar verses. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That means that whatever the Lord allows in my life as my loving shepherd, as the good shepherd, as the chief shepherd, as, as the wonderful son of God who gave his life down, laid his life for the sheep, gave his life for us, anything he allows into my life is going to turn for my ultimate good. Anything and everything. Now what is good? Good, verse 29, is you being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Conform to the image of God's Son. That's predestination. You every day, every stage of life, every quarter, every year, you are more like Jesus than you were before. And God will allow things in your life to make that happen. Not always good things. Sometimes the shepherd has to use that rod to help us stay on the path of righteousness. Good things that we would say are good, but ultimately very good things for our good and for God's glory. And when we understand that, there is a tremendous comfort isn't there? Knowing that whatever you're going through, the good shepherd is allowing it. Even bad things. Now, you might be going through something right now and, and you say, yeah, but not this thing. That thing. Something that is not a good thing. Something maybe even somebody sinned against you. Something that God would not condone. And yet we see all over the place in scripture. Maybe I'll show you. I want to show you one. We're doing so, it's only 6.30, guys. We're going to be done early. Go, go to Second Kings 5. Go to 2 Kings 5 in your Bible. You have to go in your Bible because it's, I'm reading a ton of verses here. 2 Kings 5, it's a story of Naaman. I don't think I'll read all of it, but basically Naaman was not a believer. You remember this? He was a, he was a mighty man, uh, 2 Kings chapter number 5. Naaman, verse 1, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. So Naaman was a mighty man. He had everything going for him. He was wealthy. He was honorable. He was the hero of Syria. He wasn't a believer. He had everything going for him except for one thing, but he was a leper. He had that debilitating, flesh-eating, nerve-eating disease for which there was really no cure. You just had to wait it out or die, and it was several years, and by the time the disease was passed, your nose would be gone, your, your hands would be nubs, and it was your, your, your muscles would be gone, you'd be weak, and Naaman, a mighty man, but he was a leper, so he was on his way out the door. And Naaman probably thought, if I could just get rid of this leprosy, or if only I had never had this leprosy, then it would be for my good. It would be better for me. But we're going to see uh, that that leprosy was really what made the difference in Naaman's life in, right then and then for eternity. Verse number two, the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord or with the prophet that is in Samaria? For he would recover him of his leprosy. 
And one went in and told his Lord saying, thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Syria and the king of Israel. And the king of Syria said, go to go. I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 pieces of gold, and 10 changes of raiments. Today, it would be millions of dollars worth. Verse 6, and he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is coming to thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman, my servant, to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass, when the king of Israel had read the letter, that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God, to kill and to make a lie, that this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore, consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him now come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. So Naaman's got this huge procession. He's got all of these donkeys laden with this, uh, these pounds, this several talent, each talent I think was 75 pounds worth. And so all of this gold, the silver, 10 changes, changes of raiment, all of his entourage. He was the second man in Syria. He was a mighty man and he rolls up to Elisha's house. Now he had some expectations. He didn't think he ought to have ever had leprosy and he is going to get rid of it. And he has some expectations for how it should go. So he comes up and he stands at the door of Elisha. Verse 10, and Elisha sent a messenger unto him. Elisha didn't even answer the door saying, go and wash in Jordan seven times and thy flesh shall come again to thee and thou shalt be clean pretty easy right just dunk yourself seven times and you'll be clean you won't have leprosy anymore but Naaman verse number 11 was wroth and went away and said behold and I have these two words underlined in my bible I thought he'll surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper see he had these expectations for how this was going to go he thought that when he rolled up with his impressive entourage and all of his money to give Elisha, he thought that Elisha would come out and, and, and do something miraculous and wonderful and he would be honored that the man Naaman would even come to his door and Naaman was angry because his expectations were not met. You see that? Naaman said, I thought. By the way, how often do our own expectations get in the way of God trying to work in our life? No, that's not what I'm looking for, Lord. I think you're going to do something else. Just Why don't you just follow the shepherd and submit to what he sends your way? He said, I thought. But look at the wisdom of his staff um verse number well verse number 12 are not abana and farpar rivers of damascus better than all the waters of israel may i not wash in them and be clean so he turned and went away in a rage and his servants came near and spake unto him and said my father if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing wouldst thou not have done it how much rather than when he saith to thee wash and be clean you see it wasn't about the water it was about naaman's faith it was just about doing what the man of god had said to do you see Verse 14, so he listened. Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again like into the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Praise the Lord. Verse 15, and he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and came and stood before him and said, look, behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now, therefore, I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. And he goes on. Basically, what happened with Naaman is he put his faith in the Lord God of Israel. He put his faith in the true God. If we'd say today, Naaman got saved. Now, how did all that happen? He had the faith to obey. He had the faith to be healed. He had the faith to trust God. Now, how did all that happen, though? The, the one word answer for how that all came about in the first place was leprosy. God sent leprosy into Naaman's life. Are you with me so far? You see, you 
are in, if you're a born-again child of God, you are in the sheepfold. You are part of the flock. You are one of the Lord's sheep. And sometimes God will put something in your life to help you. Something that is not good, that you would not define as good. Some sickness, some terrible thing. And God is, however, God has put that in your life to bring you where he needs you to be. God leads his dear children along. Some through the fire, some through the flood, all through the blood. Some good things, some bad things, but he's trying to get you to where he needs you to be. So when you think about that, it gives you comfort. Comfort knowing that God knows what he's doing in your life. Amen? All right, okay, number one, courage. Number two, he gives us comfort. And finally, number three, he gives us confidence. Confidence. Go back to Psalm 23. You're listening very well. Verse number five says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. He gives us confidence in a few ways. Confident, first of all, that nothing has surprised God. Nothing has surprised God. You see that verse, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Today we went to a little place, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, La Casa Torres. Anybody ever heard of that? Y'all go there? <laughs> yeah, I guess y'all are preferred customers. I got the uh, El, El Cody, is that what it is? El Cody with the cheese and the chicken named after your, your pastor before Pastor Luther. Uh, and we walk in and it is a great feeling to have a table prepared. Isn't it? You walk in and they're like, oh, you're with the church group. Okay. And they, and they had no attitude. They just pull up. I've never seen that many tables smashed together. And uh, what a blessing. They do a good work over there. Amen. And uh, it's a good feeling though, when you walk in and they're prepared for you, they're expecting you. You ever go to a restaurant, maybe you're trying to impress your date or your wife, hopefully your wife, if you're married and and your date, if you're not married, but uh, maybe before you were married, you were at a date and you were trying to impress and you walk in and you thought you had a reservation, but they didn't have your name or you didn't think you needed a reservation. You got there and like, it's going to be an hour and a half wait. You go, oh man, I don't have that much material for conversations. This is not good. It's a bad feeling when they're not prepared for you when you're not prepared. But we read here, we've got a lot of confidence because God, I'm your sheep. You're my shepherd. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of of mine enemies. When you look back at David's life, and we think that this was probably written towards the end of David's life with the conviction that God would take care of him, surely goodness and mercy will follow me. He could look back at all the times God took care of him. When he was anointed to be king, remember that? It was about 10 years that he was on the run from Saul for his life. Now, David hadn't done anything wrong. He had sinned. He was not a perfect man. He'd sinned throughout his life. We know of a couple sins. But up to that point, we really don't have this major sin that we know of that David had done wrong. It was not David's fault, no fault of David's, and yet he was pursued by Saul for years. Saul tried to kill David really for no reason other than envy, just because Saul was a, a, a wicked, envious man. And yet, when you watch David's life, in the wilderness there, you see how the Lord prepared a table for David in the wilderness. He took care of David everywhere David went. All throughout the Psalms, you read uh, some, some good insight into different things, what David was feeling at different points in his life. And you see how David cried out to God, God would answer. God took care of David. Well, Later on, when David became the king of Israel, he reigned, uh, it, was, it was 40 years total with a break there with, during Absalom, but he had to fight enemy nations constantly. He had to fight, 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 fight. That's why he's called the warrior king. And yet God took care of him. Then at one point, Absalom, his son, you remember that story, stole the kingdom from him. 
And David really hadn't deserved that. He hadn't taken care of everything quite right with some sin, with Tamar and everything before. Absalom had built up some bitterness, but that wasn't David's fault that Absalom was bitter. And so Absalom, in, in his wickedness, his vanity, stole the kingdom from David. And David was on the run as an older man now. He had already done this, and yet he's back in the wilderness. But he saw even then, and you can look at it, we won't go tonight, but 2 Samuel 17, how people brought food to him. Everywhere, people were bringing him food and drink and, and, and sustenance and all kinds of supplies. People were just bringing him food and supplying for him. And you will see that whenever God puts you someplace and puts you through a hard time, he will not make you want. The Lord is your shepherd. He said, I shall not want. And you can have confidence that thou, the Lord, preparest a table before me, even in the presence of mine enemies. So nothing surprises God. You find yourself in a, in a scary place in life, a really scary position, uh, whatever it is. Oh, no, what's, what's God going to do? God knows exactly where you are. And he has prepared a table before you, even in the presence of your enemies. Look at the rest of the verse. Thou anointest my head with oil. Where God guides, God provides. That oil, when you think about a shepherd and a sheep, a shepherd would anoint a sheep with oil to uh, help his wounds. That's a, like, like a healing thing. Uh, also, that oil it was kind of like insect repellent. It would keep the bugs, that scent would keep the bugs off the sheep. And when the sheep would feed in the tall grass, it sort of acted as an insect repellent. So that oil, it's always a good thing in the scripture. You know, David was anointed with oil when he was going to be the next king. Uh, oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit often. And thou anointest my head with oil. God, I'm okay in this wilderness. It's okay because you have prepared a place for me as I go. You're going to take care of me. Another way that it gives confidence, confidence that he would have more than enough. Look at the last part of verse 5. My cup runneth over. My cup runneth over. Isn't that beautiful? You might underline that. This is one thing that I wish every Christian would get. I wish every young person in this room, every child, every teenager would really, really get about the Christian life and living for the Lord, and how God deals with his children, I've given up nothing to serve God. So I'll be transparent with you a little bit. I had a, uh, a job interview, Brother Kenny. Um, it was a Skype interview, a Zoom interview. I went out and I got, uh, I, I tried, I'm one of these people that if there's something that I'm going to do, I do it a million percent, or I don't do it at all. Uh, I, like in, in high school, I was on the basketball team, but I wasn't very good, so I decided not to be in the basketball team anymore because I either want to be the best or I don't want to do it at all. I think it's, is it Mercedes or BMW that's the best or nothing? I love that. I, want to, I can't afford a Mercedes, but I would get a Mercedes just so I could drive, yeah, the best or nothing. That's what life's all about, man. That's why, that's why I married the beautiful, most beautiful girl I'd ever seen and, and so on, but uh, I'm, just, I'm not kidding about that, but I'm being a little silly. But uh, the best or nothing, and so... Um, I had this, this job interview, and uh, I, I got the very best camera that was on the market for this Zoom thing. I got lighting. I, I, don't, I don't like selfies. I don't like the, you know, I, I don't, I'm not a big social media guy or anything, but, but I did some research. I wanted to look sharp, and I made sure the background was perfect. I did some test calls on Zoom. It was for this remote sales job. I thought maybe I could do it in between things even while I'm traveling, and, and the money was, was ridiculous, okay? The money, I mean, I, I'm not motivated by money, really, but uh, I don't dislike money. It takes money to live. You know, you can do things with money. It takes money to keep the air conditioning on in here that's like 50 degrees cooler than outside right now or something, but it takes money for everything. You got to have money, and so I was like, man, this might be a, a, a great thing, and I prayed, though. I, I prayed, Lord, because I, 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 I really, and I've prayed lately, like, Lord, I'm just a sheep. I don't know what to do. 
I don't want, I said, I don't want a bunch of open doors. I really just want one. I want to know what you want me to do. And I said, Lord, in my secret place, we, had, we talked about the secret place of prayer in Sunday school. I said, Lord, I don't, I, I, I don't want all of these open doors. My feelings aren't going to be hurt if I get 10 no's or 100 no's uh, so long as the will of God for my life is clear. And so I said, this job, I said, it, it'd be cool. I, I'm kind of a salesman type personality. Uh, I don't like to be obnoxious, but you know, uh, you can tell probably. <laughs> and uh, I, th- I thought, man, this would be great. The money would be great. I could do a lot with this money, and I could also serve the Lord, maybe by vocation or whatever. And I, and I, um, I took the interview, and, and usually I'm just all in. Like I'm, I'm tenacious to get something done if, if I'm in that mode. And, um, and as I was doing the interview, I, I just my heart was not in it. And uh, I did the best I could. I thought it went okay. I went out in the living room. It was, this was in the bedroom. I had the interview, and I had a couple people from the company. I went in the living room. Kara said, how did it go? And I said, I'd give myself three out of five. It was all right. It wasn't that good. Like, I don't know if I'd hire me. They'd have to maybe uh, interview some not great people. And I, I didn't get it. They said, we've got a lot of talented people. We're going to go a different direction. And, and, you know, that was fine. And I, I, and I know it's fine because, because of this thing that I've really, really learned, that you don't give up anything to serve God. I mean, you don't. And I know, I, I think this, what I, and I told her in the living room, I said, you know, I asked the Lord that my heart wouldn't be in it if it wasn't it. And I, I think I need to be a full-time pastor somewhere else, um, not, a, not a bivocational. That's wrong. Some people are, well, you've got to have bivocational, a lot of small churches. But I, I think the Lord having me full-time, all in somewhere. And uh, you were just trying to seek the Lord's will. But, but you, don't, you don't give up anything to serve God with your life. Now, now money's not a bad thing. Maybe God has you in a really high paying job. People have the gift of giving in the church and you got to have something to give something. And so God gives people the gift being able to make some things, but you don't pursue those things. You pursue God and your cup will run over. Your cup runneth over. I've met people, millionaires, people made millions. I've worked with people and I, I used to work in the corporate world a little bit and uh, met people that made so, so much money and they, their, their life was work, but they had no real joy. They got, you know, we, they, had, they got a few beers in them, and I'm against it. They got a few beers in them, and, and they were not happy people. They, they had no joy, emptiness. Uh, you have, my cup runneth over serving the Lord, ladies and gentlemen. My cup runneth over with these kids, even when they scream in the middle of church. My cup runneth over. I am greatly blessed. I am highly favored. And David said, even if you have me a table in the wilderness in front of my enemies, if I've got to be anointed with oil to keep the stuff off of me, my cup runneth over because I'm right in the will of God. There is immense joy in serving Jesus. So if you're on the fence, you're a young person, or you're, you're on the fence, yeah, I, I, I think I maybe should be a preacher, but I'll make more money being a diesel mechanic. That's probably true. But your cup runs over. And diesel mechanic is great. If that's what God wants you to do, you better do what God wants you to do. But I'm saying that don't make a decision based on anything other than, Lord, what do you want me to do? I am your sheep. I am following you. You're my shepherd. You will never, ever regret it. He's confident he'd have more than enough. He's confident of God's goodness and mercy. Verse number six, he says, surely, that's confident, isn't it? Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me. Hey, Noel. Sit down, don't get up, okay? That's quite enough. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He is absolutely positive. David's lifetime, his testimony, if he could stand up right here, he's an old man. He stands up and he says, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me. Because he could see, as he was on the path of righteousness, following the shepherd, the good shepherd, that as he followed Christ, behind him was goodness and mercy. 
following him all the days of his life. And you read about his life, and I mentioned a second ago, but think about this. There is so much evil that was in his life. So many lies told about him, so much abuse, so much war, so much bloodshed. There at the end of his life when he numbered the people and all of those people had to die from the pestilence. I mean, you look at his life, really? Goodness and mercy? David said, oh yeah, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Why? Because he was following the shepherd. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Finally, he was confident of eternal life. If you are saved today, your life is just a vapor. You're spending this brief life. Got to give it all to the Lord. Everything that you do for Christ will last. Nothing else will. But you understand that at the end of this brief life, even if you're going through some hard times, and hard times are real for everybody, you're going through some hard times, you're going to spend eternity in heaven with the Lord. Isn't that good? He was confident. Surely I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. John 10, 27 and 28. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they shall follow me and I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. How could we fear? How could we not have courage? How could we not have comfort? How could we not have confidence when we are assured of a home in heaven? Tonight, I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what you're facing. I bet that in a, a room this size, a group of people like this, that there are a few of you that are going through something real tough. It was all you could do to get to church tonight. Probably, right? Am I right? right? I, I know that's true. Uh, and maybe nobody else does. Maybe it's just you that, that knows that. You're going through something tough. Can I encourage you to stay close to the shepherd? Stay right there close to him. When you stay close to the shepherd and you continue on the path that he has for you, he will give you courage to face whatever he puts your way. You can have comfort knowing that God is allowing it for something good and you can be confident that he'll work it to your, to your good. You'll have everything you need. You're confident of eternal life. We follow tonight the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that, we can have courage, comfort, and confidence no matter what life may bring. Let's have heads bowed and eyes closed. The pianist can make your way, Aaron, to the piano. I want to encourage you tonight. Perhaps you needed this message. Now, I think somebody, I know the Lord had me preach this. I know at least one of y'all needed this message. I think maybe many more. Because life throws some tough things at you. But when the Lord is our shepherd, we can be confident, courageous, comforted, 